Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Couldn't have picked a better one myself. It's top of the line. All the options. The only thing it can't do is fly. No, I'm just licking. This one is way out of my price range. Oh, see, now there's your problem. Price range is really just a frame of mind. The facts are that you work hard. You deserve this. And God wants you to be happy. Yeah, appreciate your enthusiasm, but um, God never said that. Did you know that a uh, new car salesman loses 30% of his value the second he leaves the lot? Yeah, true facts. Google it. Yeah, we're picking on some people, aren't we? Car salesmen, we love you. Um, hey, welcome to The Loft this morning. My name is Jason Kilby. If I had a chance to meet you, man, I would love to start to build a relationship with you just by connecting after the service, but more importantly, um, just, to, just to start to see what God's doing in your life. Uh, we're excited you're here. Here's why. Uh, we're in this middle of this series called uh, God Never Said What? That. There you go. God Never Said That. And, and what we've been doing is looking at some common themes or common words or sayings that people really um, tr- think that's true in our current culture, uh, where we live and where we call home. Um, but in reality, God really never did say that. I mean, if we think about it, there's a lot of things that we say in church culture that God never did really say. And so, you know, we, we've been over this the past couple of weeks, and, and so if you're new with us, I'm just going to bring you up to speed real quickly for those who've been here taking notes, man. Uh, maybe you can get a t-shirt afterwards. Anyways, uh, but God, God wants you happy, right? That's not really true. God, God won't give you more than you can handle. Eh, that's not really accurate neither. Uh, d- does not matter what you do, right? Uh, I don't think that's true. It's not in the Bible. Does it really matter what you believe as long as you have a sincere heart? Yeah, all roads lead to heaven. Not accurate at all, but we as Christians find ourselves in awkward situations and we just vomit this stuff out. And the next thing you know, we're, we're not really, really telling the word of God. We're telling our opinions of God. And I think that's dangerous in any circumstance. It's dangerous Literally, because you're playing with someone's eternal destination. Literally. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Um, but next week, next week, we're, we're going to land the plane. So this is the end of the series. And I think it's, it's going to be one of those ones you just don't want to miss. And, and I, really, I really think it's awesome because it, it's going to wrap itself around some of the ideas of Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? And, you know, as we get around the table and we do stuff with family uh, and friends, and there's a lot of in-laws that are coming in, right? We all love in-laws. Come on now, be truthful. We love some in-laws, right? Uh, but they come around the table, and maybe there's something that one of your in-laws that just have done something in the past that really bugs you, and you know it bugs you, and you just never have, you know, you never really, what, what's that word I'm looking for? Oh, you for- forgive them, right? You know what I'm talking about. It's just something there that just, just, you, just, just, you, know, you just can't really get past and as Christians, we just sort of say this, right? We just need to forgive and what? Forget. Yeah, I don't think God ever really said that one. Find that one in the Bible. But why do we say that, you know? Because grandma said it or, you know, is that what, you know, did grandfather say that or did my dad say that? Where, where do we pick that one up? Did the pastor say it and just out of context, we just put it in the application? But did God really say that? I don't think so. So I would encourage you to be here as we finish strong and lean into what God really wants us to be connected to and more importantly, what he wants us to be obedient to. And I think it could change, hear me, if you don't hear anything else, it could change your Christmas this year. It could change the way you love your family this year. It could be the best Christmas ever this year simply because of a heart change. Now, and now here's, here's a question for us this morning as we just sort of, Turn the corner. Um, have you ever had one of those moments when you needed to just sit down to really listen? You know, a lot of us are minds are jumping from, you know, just warp speed and, you know, it just moves from place to place. But ha- have you ever really just needed to sit down and to listen? 
Um, for example, here, here's my life, you know, when we want our kids to, to, to get their attention, when we need to get our kids' attention, uh, now that we're completely outnumbered, um, you know, we, we really have to set them down and line them up, one, two, three, and four. Uh, the fourth one is completely out of control. Anyways, uh, you know, but if, if you know what I'm talking about, you literally, you have to line them up and tell them to sit down and look, what, turn your listening ears on, Right? Um, it's either to not do something because we want to protect them or it's to do something because we need it done. And, and typically, they just get distracted, right? That's a common theme in our house. We get distracted. Um, but we sit them down and we line them up and we ask them to listen to our instructions carefully. And then it's like tag team. Sarah says something, I say something. And it goes back and forth. And, like, and eventually, they just, you know, they get so confused and we know we have just messed up. But has anybody else ever been there as I'm just venting? Anybody? Come on. Okay. Don't want it. Just me. All right. Um, so what, what about then when you're really trying to study for something? You just go around studying and trying to figure out study. I know some of you are in school. Or do you have to sit and really focus and listen to the, what the, the instructor's saying or what the words are coming across your page? Or what about this one? Hey, Christmas is coming up, right? We have to put some of these gifts around and put them together. What, am I, what if it was made overseas in some foreign land, and then you got a different set of instructions that are not even for that blueprint, so you have to sit and watch, what, YouTube videos to, to figure out how to do it. You have to sit and listen, right? It's not just a picture. It, you know, I wish it was, but it, you have to sit and listen. Anybody? Okay, again, it's just me. Uh, maybe this is going to be the horrible sermon of the, of the decade. Or maybe, maybe it's, it's getting someone else's attention. Maybe we can grab this one. Maybe it's getting someone's full attention to tell them something really, really important. And, and, and we say things like, you know, hey, I, I need your undivided what? Yeah, so maybe you have been there. And we say, hey, listen, I got some, I got some news for you. And for sometimes it's really joyful news because there's a baby coming or there's something really, I got engaged and I just want to share that with you. Or you sit and listening to what I have to say. And sometimes it's, it's really bad news, and the bad news really takes over us, and it really causes some tension, and we just need it to, are you sitting? I mean, you listening, and I, I need to share something with you. I, I, are, are you sitting, and you listening? Sometimes it's with somebody you're really intimate with, and it's your husband or your spouse, and we just, hey, can you sit and listen to me? Hey, mom, can you just sit and listen to me. And, and I think today for where we're at, I think that's where we need to be. I think that's where we need to be collectively as a church family. And I, and I, I just really honestly believe that's where we, we need to be camping out for today, for the next little bit of time we have together. And I really believe if we do this, it could change things because Jesus changes things. A couple of years ago, um, God asked me to sit down and listen to him, and I was really distracted in my life. Um, and it happened over a season of fall, and, uh, but I, I remember I wasn't in a position, a posture to listen to him, and, and I didn't want to. And so, man, me and God, we wrestled. Like, we wrestled and wrestled and wrestled, and, and, and amazingly, he won every time. You know, like I thought I squirmed away, but he won. He came back and got me attention. He got me into that vulnerability spot that he really wanted me to listen. And, and, and it, was very, it was very challenging for me. Um, I had no sleep for almost a month. Uh, I had no energy. I, I was literally, I was actually, I was told by other people, people in my life that I, I really value just to fake it to what? And I don't think that one's in the Bible either. Just honest. We could add one, you know, this in the sermon soon. But, it, it, you know, it, it's not. I, I really no, don't think it's in there. What God really wanted me to do was to sit and listen, to really hear his voice so he could begin to move my heart to following him more obediently in a way that I would never dream of. And nor would ever try to do on my own, to be honest with you, of planning a church. He was trying to birth something in my heart, and I was running from it, simply because I didn't want to sit and listen and hear his voice. And here's, the, here's, the, here's, the, here's where we're at. The reason why I believe I have the privilege and I get the microphone this morning 
of leading a, a movement here in Kentucky. It's not just to become another pastor, because I think we have enough pastors around. We have plenty of those guys around here in our community. It's not to have the platform weekly to inspire you with messages or words of encouragement. Man, you can get that on K-Love on the way home, right? It's not to see how big we can grow a church because, honestly, Jesus really doesn't care about the size. He's more focused on the sending capacity and making disciples and multiplication. He really is. The real reason I believe I'm in the role of leading is to first to change what I care about and to challenge me to grow deeper with him, trusting him fully. Full trust looks like this, you know, like if we look at this, this chair, you know, we look at it this way, and I've shown you this before, but this is not real full trust because if somebody jerked this out, I'm still sitting. Got my legs, I'm good. But this, there's no game plan B right now. If this breaks because it's made in China, I'm doomed. I'm just, just being honest, right? There, there's no game. You all would have the time of your life watching me fall, but there's no plan B there. And I think for a lot of us, we tend to enjoy plan B. We tend to lean into plan B because that's just what we do naturally, and that's what we've seen naturally. But I just want to communicate something really hard and challenge you this morning to to relay, I think my, my, my role this morning is to relay a message over to you so we can witness something that only God can get the credit for, and which is a movement that allows people to draw near him, period. And I think for a lot of people, what we do is draw near to churches, not him. We invite people to come with us to church, say, sit with me. I've even said it before, I'm guilty. Instead of sharing our story in Jesus about this life-changing water, right? There's really nothing magical about the water. It's just a representation of old to new. And what we tend to do is just we hinge a lot of things on our religion instead of Jesus. My Bible says Jesus changes everything, and sometimes we substitute that, but church will change everything. Just come listen to the pastor. He'll change everything. Come listen to the Beth Moore study. She'll change everything. I'm just being honest, right? I believe my role today is to to get you to lean in, not to me, but to lean in to who who gives me the strength to talk about this most important subject, that Jesus changes everything. So today I pray that this talk is, is a perfect interruption of where you've been distracted this week a perfect place of where you have have been and it's an interruption of your weekly walk so you can fully understand and be devoted to where we need to go. And I hope that makes sense because if you call yourselves a follower of Jesus, uh, others are dependent upon you pointing them to Jesus in a way that can change lives that what? Say it with me, church. Change lives. One of them is baptisms. When we see people sharing their story and light bulbs coming on, we see a ripple effect happening over here. It just naturally does. Matter of fact, you couldn't have this thing filled up enough if everybody in this room took it seriously. But I, even I, I made a couple punches this morning to some people, and so I'll, I'll keep on swinging because God didn't say KO yet. But I know people, even here, we come in looking for other things to talk about other than Jesus. Where we're going to eat afterwards. There's one. I've already heard it. Fantasy football. Kentucky Wildcats. I mean, come on, the list goes on. I've heard a lot about life this week, but I even didn't hear one spiritual conversation happening this morning. And I was really focusing Try not to be distracted. But I can tell you what happens, though. The author of what? Lies is Satan. He distracts us. He keeps us busy chasing other things, and he gets us off track, so therefore we don't see a ripple effect. What we see is this. And what happens is, is we become numb 
And we get excited for this, but the truth in reality is more of this than this. And I love this. I love the fact when we see like 10 people sitting on the front row and life is changing up here and light bulbs are going off in the back and man, it's just so exciting. It's so emotional for me because I just see life change happening. When families gather around and they get so excited, they can't shut up about it. But then what I tend to notice is they'll go super after this for the next couple months and all of a sudden this starts to happen. Why? And for some of you, man, I'm just being straight up honest with you. If your only life change that took place was a seven-year-old as a child, you need to reconsider some things. You need to reconsider what it means to be in a fully devoted relationship with Jesus, the author and perfecter of life. What I do think is this, is, is if, if you don't live in a way that's being obedient to Jesus, then you're just surviving and church becomes more of a function of your weekly routine and schedule than it does a life-changing opportunity for you and Jesus. And I want you to put it, it I want you to really just lean into this because I've said it before, and I'll just, before we jump into Christmas, man, we're getting ready to get into a season for the next eight weeks. Believe it or not, for the next eight weeks, you're gonna have the chance of a lifetime to share your story because people are listening, they're searching, they're gonna talk about weird things. What about this gun violence? Well, if, it, it, you can switch the subject by going to Jesus. You can change the atmosphere of your family. Well, she just did, and I don't, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just, and you can change it so quickly by just going to Jesus. But we all say silly words like, hey, just come to church with me on Sunday. It's going to be good. They've been churched, they just need Jesus. And we have to give up the things we love for the thing we love more. We do. And I know some of us are into a lot of things. And I would challenge you today to put it down. Otherwise, what are we, what are we doing this for? Why are we doing what we're doing? Even in my own walk. You know, I got away with some wonderful people this week and to a retreat center and we were able to just to focus on, I spent three to four hours with Jesus near a river and they came out and they honked the horn. They said they did. I really didn't hear it, but I was so intimately involved with Jesus. I didn't hear it. And then I noticed that there was some bears walking near the river and I needed to get out of there, right? But it was dark, and they were coming looking for food, and guess who was the food? Me. But I needed to get out of there, and I was like, hey, why didn't you come get me? And they said, we did. We honked the horn. We came out screaming. And I was like, I didn't hear you because I, I was so in tune to Jesus. And this is what he said. Jason, you've been distracted. You've been focused on everything else except me. You put a lot of stock into church. You put a lot of stock into people. You put a lot of, you know, you, you have a big heart. As a pastor, you want to help people through their pain. But I need you to stay focused on me. Because your family, your family is dependent upon it. And it got echoed even last night. It got echoed last night into my family. My family needs me not to be distracted by so much of church. And so I hate to say it, church, I, I need to cheat the church here. I mean, I need to invest a little bit more time into my family. And I'm going to put some boundaries up on who I am as a person, as an individual, as a man of God. I'm going to have to start doing some things to change what I care about so I can lead you guys better and not be distracted as much. So I've got to change what I care about. And if we're a follower of Jesus, he wants you to do something now, not later. Like you, you can't wait to January 1. You can't wait to New Year's. I'm sorry. You got to start now. Not later, now. Not when you know more knowledge, right? Not when you get older for some people, because you've already set patterns. 
Not when you have more life lessons to to share. He wants you to move closer to him now because the you beside you. Now, for some of you, are like, what? But literally, there's a you beside you that needs you to do something that can literally change the atmosphere because of your spiritual gifts that God's blessed you with. And I believe it all begins with you moving. The question is, will you? Now, I'm about to make a statement that's going to stand some hairs on heads. And if you're bald, pop them out. But this statement could rock the core value of who you are, or at least the values that you grew up upon, especially in the church atmosphere that we grow up on. But I promise you, you're not going to find this statement in the Bible. Most of us especially grew up with this saying in church, um, and you probably have heard it. You even sang about it as in, in, in Mission Friends like I grew up. I mean, we, we sang these little songs, that, and, and I found out some of my songs that I sang, um, you know, just are not accurate. But um, it, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that it's, it's, it gets developed right there in that frontal lobe. And then next thing you know, it's, it's permeated in us for years and years. And maybe it's, it's, in your, it's in you right now. But here's the statement. Just give Jesus your heart and you'll be saved. It's not in the Bible. It's not there. Jesus, God, nobody said that. Just give him your heart, right? We've heard it a lot from evangelists. We've heard it from pastors. We even might have said it, but it's not there. First, let's just be really real and just break the word of God down. Jesus was not about being saved, you know, past tense. He was about salvation, which is now. He was about you moving getting you to move, leaning towards life, something that can move you from here to there. And if we don't focus on the here now, then we can't get to there later. It's trusting him like this. It's saying I'm all in to change my life. That's, that's what it looks like for salvation to take place. And when we do that, it changes everything. Second, he said, uh, he never said anything about giving the heart over to him. God never really said that. And here's what we can take away if you're ready to sit and listen. I think a lot of us are, you know, we have to sit and listen to truth becoming from the word of God. Otherwise, we become what? Ritualistic, religion, churchgoers. This is what I think. God, God does not want me to ask Jesus to come into my heart. God wants me to listen to what Jesus wants to do in my heart. Big difference in statements. Think about it. When when we change what we care about because it's a heart thing, it affects everybody. It affects the table. It affects your atmosphere. It affects where you work, where you live, where you play. Because when you start to share your story about the life-changing place that took place here, or maybe here, or maybe in your shower at home, or when you just finally figured out who Lord is, for me, it was, it was literally on the airport tarmac, working on a plane. When I figured that out, it changed everything, and I just couldn't shut up about it. I just wanted to share my story. And when we do that, we start to love others through the filter of God. We start to love our enemies. We're able to, what, turn the other cheek and get beat up. And we know that God will go before us and literally defend the weak in ways that only he can get the credit for. Have you ever heard someone say, or or maybe you have even said it, do you want to be saved? And then just... Or just, just, ask Jesus, just ask Jesus to come into your heart. We even say these little simple prayers. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. And while saying this, you know, it's, it's not anti-biblical, right? The truth is neither. It, it is really biblical, though. The way our culture has, has worded it, it generates a mental image that can easily lead a wrong impression into their life, especially among someone who tends to think, tends to think things through literally. And that's not saying people are weak or stupid or dumb. It's just, it just literally, we, we are in a literal world and we see things as it is. And, and I think we need to be really accurate and very careful as we share our story, who Jesus is, and not try to get them to just get the golden ticket to go to heaven. Or if you get this, you're good. See, I think also that the appeal, think about this one, the appeal to ask Jesus into your heart if that's the whole message, if that's it, 
that leaves out some of the more important things such as repentance and faith. And the Bible, the Bible does not mention the fact that in some sense Jesus resides in our heart. You see, Paul, the apostle, he experiences firsthand and he tried to communicate in the best way to the people of, of Ephesus. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, he said that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, right? In the New Living Translation, it says it this way, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you what? Trust him. I love that. As you trust him. As you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. You'll grow deep. You'll have a a deeply rooted faith that literally when those storms come, you won't fall over. You won't be overcome. You'll be able to withstand things simply because of where you're at obediently with Jesus. See, but Paul is writing, we got to know who is he writing to, right? Paul is writing to believers, think about this one, who, who had already received Christ, the knowledge of Christ and, and the shift in their heart. Now, the parallel prayer in, in verse 16 is that God, it says this one, may, may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, right? Are you still sitting? Here it comes. The truth is, is there no... Uh, evangelical type of moment here or appeal or an outreach or someone preaching to the context of Ephesians 3 whatsoever. It's more of a relationship thing. None of those. It's, it's literally a conversational piece where Paul is telling the, the Ephesians to, to not just ask Jesus into their hearts. No. He is simply, get this, he's elevating them. He's stirring the pot He's getting them to move so their awareness that Jesus is is present within them through what? The Holy Spirit, which could change everything. Now, what I believe happens is, is we take this out of context, a verse which we ask Jesus into our hearts because we've heard this thing before and we sort of just break it down. And, and so the concept is usually taken from Revelation chapter three, verse 20, you know, where it says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, it opens the door. I will come in and eat with that person. They eat with me. I love what the New Living Translation says. It says, look, it says, look, I stand. I stand at the door, I stand here and I knock. If you hear my voice, what? If you hear my voice and open the door, first of all, you got to open it. I will come in. I'll come in and I'll share a meal together as friends. Catch that verse, as friends. Who do you invite into your house? Strangers or friends? Some people really say they know Jesus, but he's a stranger in your walk. Not your friend. You don't talk to him daily. It's more of a Sunday thing, ritual. Because if you did, it would change the way you eat. It would change the way you talk. It would change the way you listen for the door to be knocking. It would change the way we see things. It would, cha- it would change literally everything. If you're friends with someone, what do you usually do? You do life with them, right? You change your schedule. When you hurt, they hurt. When you laugh, they laugh. Because your heart is one with theirs. It's moving in the same direction with like-minded thoughts. Notice that verse does not mention the heart at all. Neither does the individual ask Jesus to do anything. Rather, Jesus asks us to do something in context. Jesus is speaking to the church of Laodicea, who was in desperate need of repentance in verse 19. To see, the Laodiceans had effectively excluded Jesus from their fellowship, from, from their, their walk. And, and I know it's hard to believe, but I believe churches do that naturally. Not intentionally, just, just something we, we, we go and do versus who we are in identity with Christ. And the Lord was seeking to restore this fellowship. And this passage does not deal with a person calling on the Lord for salvation at all. It's targeting us 
church folk who claim to know Jesus by doing life without him. About just going about our business and not really changing anything or talking to him or, or experiencing him daily. It's, it's more of just a routine, a ritual, if I can use that word. Which, which means, are you sitting down and listening? You see, the church of Laodicea had excluded Jesus from the fellowship because they knew who he was. But it was not a hard thing. It was a brain thing. They knew him, but they didn't know him. It was more about the knowledge than it was about the heart. And I've said this before, and it could not make more sense today to fit where we need to be. But when Jesus enters the heart, everything changes. I mean it from the way we talk, the way we live, the way we dress, the way we watch movies, the way we, come on, finish the sentences. I mean, it changes everything. But when Jesus enters the brain, we play a game. It's just we do things because that's where we should be. We do things because mom and dad told me to do it. I, I, I literally have had multiple conversations and I asked a student or I asked a college student, hey, why do you do what you do? And they'll say, well, I grew up that way. Mom and dad told me this and this is what my grandfather told me. They never experienced Jesus. What they experienced was church. Students, I, I'm gonna plea with you. You are a difference maker. You can change the world if you literally lean in and trust Jesus and not your mom and dad's faith. Because honestly, as much as I love your mom and dad, they could be steering you wrong and you have no clue. Some of you just might walk out on that one, but I'm just being honest. You see, I truly believe that some people, even in this room, because of pride, are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. 18 inches from here all the way down to here. From your head knowledge to your heart knowledge. You know it. You know who Jesus is. You, you've been told the story. We're getting ready to go into the season of telling the most immaculate story ever created or true. To me, it's true. Born of a virgin, right? Mary, right? Jesus enters the world and then goes out and changes the world. Literally. He just does. To the point of death. And then he rose from the grave. He changed everything. He gathered up some people and he said two words, you know? We'll get to those two words in a second. But those two words changed everything. But I really believe we know this, but we don't fully experience this. When your heart changes, Jesus allows change to take place naturally and it's beautiful and it changes everything because of obedience to him. Now, what I can say is, is my heart, mine has found the gospel and I pray yours does too in a way that allows the good news of Jesus, death and resurrection for forgiveness of our sins to change the world. In 1 Corinthians 15, three through four, it says it this way, I pass on to you, and the Apostle Paul is really just going after this, I pass on to you what is most important and, and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. First of all, you gotta understand that you have, you've messed up. You're born into a sinful nature of who you are. You got to understand that, you know, for my past life before Jesus, this is who I was, my identity was. But when you start to recognize that, the scripture says he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as scripture said. So you got to say, understand, when you put your faith and your trust into Jesus, man, those things are gone and now we have a new day. And when you start to share that story, however, however you share it, my life before Christ, my life when I found Christ, and now how I'm living for Christ, when you start to share your faith that way, get ready for ripple effects. Get ready to see light bulbs come on. Get ready for things to start to change. He will faithfully use your words and he will give you favor in, in ways that you can never imagine. And he'll do things immeasurably more just by your obedience. You see, the gospel in the Bible urges uh, a proper response to that message we, we, we look at believe, right? John 3, 16, we all know that verse. We, we grew up with that verse if you grew up in the church. What, what does it say? For what? For God so loved the world that he what? 
gave his only one begotten son, that who what? Ever believes? Yeah. So do you really believe in the story, right? John 1, 12, it, it talks about it, to receive his Holy Spirit first, not just to believe, but to receive his Holy Spirit. And then you believe in what Jesus is doing. And then you become a child of the one true king. And then in Acts 3, 19, it talks about to repent. So when we know we're doing something wrong and we're caught into sin, we got to repent from it. We just don't need to apologize for it. We repent from it, so we move towards him. We, we need to move closer to him. Sometimes we get caught in, the, in this world of sin, and what happens is we, we, we don't share our story. We share more things about us and how we did it, not how Jesus cleansed us from it. We get caught up in church things. We are to change our minds about sin and, and about who Christ is in us. Believe that Jesus did die and, and rose again and to receive the gift of eternity through life in him alone. See, none of the apostles ever told someone to ask Jesus into your heart. They didn't. But we do. I've even seen people walk around with big billboards even in our own town, that, that say this. That they, they, and for, 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 for the apostles to have been there and witnessed it, they never did ask that. And see, what they did was they changed their life because they witnessed what Jesus did. And they shared it with everyone because it changed their life in a way that it changed everything. And they couldn't stop talking about it because it was real life change. And if you're still listening... If you're still listening, you got your ears on. What I'm about to ask you to consider is not to ask Jesus into your heart if you're leaning in or maybe this has been a long time going. What I'm about to ask you to consider is, is so much more. It's so much more, and I think this is exactly what Jesus was, was all about. I don't think he was, he was literally, you know, allowing us all to experience this even today, but I think what he really wants us to do today is this. He, he just to simply have complete control of your life. It's to ask Jesus to enter your life. Big game changer. Because it interrupts everything. It interrupts everything. When Jesus is there, it's not just WWJD, right? Not when you get, you know, sideswiped by a car. Not when you're sitting in the grocery line, you know, what would Jesus do? Let that person go first. You know, no, it's not that. It's, it's literally to ask Jesus to enter my life, to change the way I see things, to, to just literally to change the, the complexity of, of, of how I structure things. Because simply put, our structure is so messed up and been out of shape some days. It's not Christ-centered, it's more me-centered. We know it's true. That's why it's so silent right now. Our world revolves around us. Not Jesus. See, I, I want you to lean in and allow Jesus to be Lord of your life. Not just on Sundays, because Sundays is fun days, right? But Monday through Saturday. And allow the Lord of the universe who shaped it and formed it and put things in motion to control your life. If this is done in the context of presenting the whole gospel, guess what happens? The you beside you begins to have life change because you have new life and new direction and new beginnings. And we start to see the ripple effect that changes lives. That what? Change lives. Now, when we go out and begin to share the gospel, when we go out and start doing it this week, and we, we challenge ourselves to go do it and we change what we care about, I do believe we, sh we should be careful what we say and how we say it. And here's why. We don't want to come across like a fruitcake, right? We don't want to come across like a fruitcake or pushy. I mean, I know a lot of people just push them into surrenders. And here's what I would say this. Even this week, we had some people that really wanted to get baptized. And the old me would have manipulated to get them to be baptized. Now, you're probably like, what kind of pastor are you? Well, I'm probably the same type of pastor that grew up in this culture. Like, oh, it'd be okay. Let's just do it anyway. But I had people come to me, even this week, four or five guys that said, you know what, I don't think I'm ready. And I said, okay. I would rather you be fully devoted than you come up here and fake it till you make it. And a lot of you, you faked it to make it just because of a grape juice and a cracker. 
A lot of us did it because mom and dad wanted us to do it. A lot of us wanted us to do it just simply because a friend did it. Maybe I just didn't want to go to hell, scared to death. And there is no intimate relationship with Jesus. Otherwise, you might be sharing him this week. And I told those people this week, it's perfectly okay. As long as you're leaning into who Jesus is and you're following him and being obedient, I am totally cool with you not getting baptized on Sunday. Because it needs to be about a God entering the heart and not just the head knowledge. I think sometimes we, we can say things and we can push things and, and we become that religious guy that people run from. They see you coming and they just don't want to talk to you because it's more about church things than about Jesus. Even in the culture we live, this word believe can be misleading. Think about it. If we present it as a mere intellectual assent to Jesus, agreeing that certain facts are true, right? If you just believe, if you just believe, right? Instead of trust, relying on the true facts of who Jesus was and understanding he's the author and perfecter of faith. Think about this. Judas, right? Iscariot, he believed certain facts about Jesus, but he never trusted Jesus for salvation. Where did it end up? You see, salvation is not about believing a list of facts. Salvation is not about asking Jesus to come into your heart. Salvation is not even about asking God to forgive you. Salvation is about trusting Jesus as your Savior, your Lord and Savior, period. Receiving the forgiveness he offers through grace, through faith. Salvation is is about being made new through the sacrifice of what Jesus did and the power of his Holy Spirit, which is found in Titus 3, 5. Saw some posts last night about Titus. I was like, man, they have no idea I'm preaching on it tomorrow. That is crazy. Go read Titus 3. I'm telling you to change the way you look at things. You see, salvation, this is what I took away from that. Salvation will cost you nothing. But following him will cost you your life. Salvation is free, but discipleship, it changes everything, especially when you say, I'm the number one disciple, and I want to trust in him alone. I say all this to get to the bottom line for today, and it's, it's more of a big question for us, all of us today, but first, I want, I want you to just sit and listen up, tune them up. Here we go. You see, Jesus gives us a couple real careful words to listen to, and they are so simple. A lot of us don't do them, and those two words can change everything if we decide to listen, and those two words are simply, follow me. Follow me, and you will change. You will. There's no way around it. When you love your enemy, People will ask, why are you doing that? When you're more generous with things, people will notice. I'll quickly give you a small example of this. Friday I had a kind of an interesting day, and family said, let's just go grab something to eat real quick. And so we went to a local restaurant, and the, the, the waitress was nervous. I mean, she was like a, a cat surrounded by dogs. I don't know, man. She was her first night out or something. But you could tell it, you could sense it. And I just happened to be blessed with an extra couple bills in my pocket. And so I, I told my son, hey, let's give her a big tip. And let's just see what happens. And of course she comes back, do you need any change? Do you need any change? And Maximus goes, nope, it's all yours. <laughs> and she just went like this. And, and he came running to me because I had my youngest son near the fish tank. Told you where I was at now. Um, but he goes, Dad, it made her day. It, it, it made her day. You could see just a smile on her face. And it made him happy. And through obedience, just because of me just being a little bit more generous, it changed her life, but it also changed my son. See, in order for people to start to see and believe, they got to see you. 
They gotta see you following him. And my question is, is simple. Is why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? And is what you do is in response to your relationship with Jesus? Or is it just a church thing? You see, because behavior, it's taught. Right? We can teach a lot of things. We can be right and wrong. We, we, can, we, can, we can tell you that you're completely in the wrong, or we can tell you you're really in the right. We can reward you with right things, right? That's how I do my kids sometimes. We reward them, right? We do this silly thing. But when we do this, when we get our, we get our relationship right with Jesus, when we, when we finally figure out who Jesus is in me, not just a head knowledge, it changes my life. It changes who he is in me, and I can't, I can't stop sharing him. I can't stop thinking. My mind, I learned a lot about myself on Monday. When I walk into a room, my mind sees things so differently, and I understand now why. It's because God uniquely designed me this way to see how I can help others begin a relationship with Jesus. I connect the dots, man. My mind doesn't shut things down, and I guarantee he has created something in you just the same way, but you have to lean into him and trust him fully to say, okay, this is who I am. This is what I do. And go out and do it. Start to change lives, starting with yours, leaning into him, and just trust him in a way that literally points back to Jesus, not you, him. When was the last time you shared your story about Jesus? Come on, just be completely honest. When was the last time, I want you to think about it, when was the last time you shared your story about Jesus? Or is this more about something the preacher said on Sunday or what you heard on Caleb or what you experienced from a Francis Chan or, or Beth Moore Bible study? And I love those guys, but hey, they're not Jesus. When was the last time that you sat down and listened to Jesus and changed something that you care about because it impacted your life to go deeper with him. When was the last time? When was the last time that you love God more than you love you? Come on. A lot of us will buy anything because we see it sitting at $19.99 in the checkout aisle, but we won't love God more. Because I think it's a head knowledge, it's a game, or is it really truly who I am and my identity in Jesus? He's changed everything. This week I was blessed by something that really just, I can't even begin to fathom. It changed. It's just a relationship. It just impacted my life so much. I just don't even know how to say thank you. But the person who's sitting in here, thank you. You changed my life. Not nearly just because of a gift, but because you love God so much, you said, okay, I'm all in. That's what fires me up in the morning. When I see people turn their life and they go all in and they say, I am in it for him, not just to win it, but to see a movement happen, to see a ripple effect, to see life's change simply because I believe in the author and perfecter of Jesus Christ who's changed my life. And I'm ready to go face the gates of hell, man, with a water pistol. And I don't care. Ain't nobody stopping me. Who's in? Who wants this? Do you want this more than me? Am I the only one that wants this? I'm looking out to a movement. I mean, Jesus started with 12. We got more than 12 up here. I mean, this could be the greatest Christmas ever, or this could be just a normal one. I mean, literally, we could get really generous with some stuff. We could change the lives of Danvillians. We could have our own chapter of the Bible, Danvillians. We could, if you get really serious about your generosity. I'm not asking for your money. I don't want your money. I don't. I just want you to be faithful with it. I want you to go out and do something that only he can get the credit for. I just want to see something happen that causes a chain reaction. Literally because you decided to move and lean in and trust him in a way that causes a ripple reaction. Judea. Samaria and the other poor parts of the world called Danville, Kentucky. 
Guys, I'm telling you, this is not just something we get up here and preach day in, day out. Do you think it's all about preaching otherwise? I think we've been preached out. It's about life change, and I believe in it. When you go all in, it changes lives that can change lives, and it can really change yours if you trust him. When we do this, these waters, we just sing about. There's something in the water. There's something in the water. They begin to ripple in a way that creates a movement that cannot be denied, and light bulbs start to light up around our life because we change what we care about, and together we get to see a witness. We witness a movement and it all happens when we decide to sit and listen to God who, who, who says this in the book of Psalms, right? Some of you are running around so crazy and so hectic and you, just, you can't even find time. But in Psalms 46.10, it says simply this, be still and know that I am. Some of you need that right now. You need to just sit and spend time with the Father. And to hear his voice because he's yelling. I, he's just yelling, trying to get your attention. But you're so busy. And I love how this version says, be still and know that I am God. And I will be honored by every nation. And I will be honored throughout the world. Why? Because you sit and listen. You sit and listen. So where are you, church? Are you just running to church on Sundays or is there really a life movement happening? Is it something that you're really pursuing and you're changing what you care about? Because this right here is more important to see people come and be a part and you see ripple effects, you see movement in the water, you see something only he can get the credit for. Is it more about that or is it just because we get to go to church and sing some songs on Sunday? Which one is it? I challenge you. I want you to really think about it. I want you to sit and listen. So this next song we're getting ready to sing, I just want you to sit and listen. And you move when it's time for you to move. And you'll know what I'm talking about. You move when it's time for you to move. And I don't know, maybe, maybe the altar, maybe hands up, maybe for some of you, I just want you to do this. Think about it this way. Come on, man, get up here. Let's just sing some songs. Um, if... If you're more the person who just jumps up and you just get your hands going and you're clapping and maybe you're doing the two-step, whatever it is, you sit still. Don't move. This is going to be harder for you to sit and absorb this. And then you move when it's time for you. And on the flip side, if you're the person that just sits with like this and puts the hands in the pocket and just and got this motion going on, I want you to go all in. I just want you to try it. And if you don't know what I'm talking about yet, maybe you just need to sit and absorb what it looks like to not just to give your heart over, but to just have a life change with your heart and experience the author and perfecter of our faith, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Hey, Jesus, man, I, just, I thank you so much for what you're doing right now because I know you're getting our attention because there's tension in the room. These, these, these religious words that we've said and we've said for years just give us... Jesus, just give us a heart and you'll be saved. No, 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 no. It's about a life change that starts with me moving towards you by simply these two words of being obedient to, which is follow me. And some of us never have done that yet. We've been obedient to a lot of churches, a lot of religion, but man, we just haven't been obedient to you. Father, I pray this in your name that people move towards you today. We see a ripple effect take place and we see life happen. We see trust in you alone that changes lives, that changes lives. Father, in your name, amen.